0: Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Jumbo Jumbo. Caribboni, Carisani, Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Welcome to the series we've been looking at, where after the story of the lost sheep, for those who like animals, and the lost coin, for those who like money, we're going to look at a story about people who go from lost and alone, and are meant to go, uh, be brought home to the Father's love. It's two lost people, in fact, and we're going to look at the first one of them today. The famous one, the one we call the prodigal son, the younger son. Let me read from Luke 15, verses 11 to 24. There was a man who had two sons the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate so he divided his property between them not long after that the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living after he'd spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need so Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and so they began to celebrate. An amazing writer called Kenneth Bailey, who's an expert on ancient Middle Eastern culture and what the world was like in Bible times, said that there's no law or custom among the Jews or Arabs that would entitle the son to a share of the father's wealth, while the father's still alive. It's unthinkable, even today, imagine. You couldn't receive, you couldn't sell, you couldn't spend your inheritance before your father died. It would be completely wrong. Bailey said, any Middle Eastern son who requests his inheritance from a healthy father is understood to want his father to die. When he says here, give me the portion that falls to me, that's a formal way of saying, dad, just drop dead. I'm tired of doing what you want and what you say. I'm sick of being under your rules, under your roof. I want to go. Now remember, Jesus is showing us here how we can treat our heavenly father. Well, what would he do? Bailey says, a traditional Middle Eastern father would and could only respond one way. He's expected to refuse and drive the boy out of the house with verbal, if not physical blows but our God is not like any earthly dad. He's way better than even the best of them. Rabbis have commented that the son would have no right at all to make such a request to go away from under his father's roof and then put a great distance between them while taking the inheritance early from his father now so he could just blow it all on his own pleasures. One famous rabbi described the idea as despicable, but rather than slap the son across the face, the Dad gives him what he asks for. A great pain and loss and cost to himself. Just as God the Father gives every one of us the right, the freedom today to choose to love him or reject him. It's up to you. So, the Father turns the capital into cash and he gives it to the son and the dad really has to sell the land to do so. And then the younger son son takes at least a third of the now liquidated asset with him. The rest goes to the older brother who stays on the farm. We'll look at his story next. When the family and the father's love is rejected, any son who would do such a thing would now actually be considered dead himself, dead to the family, dead to the community. The whole village would be hostile to him because of the shame that is brought on the place. That's why the father later says, at the end, when he comes back, that he was dead, but now he's alive. They had this ceremony called a Quetzasa ceremony, which would be in place now, as it was for anybody who squandered his inheritance or sold his land, because the land was seen as belonging to the Lord. That Aramaic word, Quetzasa, means cutting off. The community would take a jar, put nuts and corn inside, and smash it to show how irreparably broken relationship was now. You couldn't put this back together. Maybe this is the reason it says the sun sells up and goes quickly before anybody can perform the ceremony, but he'd know they'd do it for sure if they spotted him, if he tried to return to the village. So the lad sets off for this place where he's anonymous and that's where he feels free to do whatever he wants while he's got the money to do it. And he's got friends and food and fun, wine, women and song, and he's not doing a lot of singing until he's blown it all. The money runs out, so do his friends. He's broke with nobody to help him. Lost and alone in the world when a famine hits. It's noticeable that, isn't it, when a group of people from the West in nations like ours read this parable, and when a group of them were asked to retell it, nine times out of ten they forgot to mention the the famine. But people in poor nations where there had been famines never forgot, they noticed that line, because they know how desperate such times really are. And now this young man, is fallen a long, long way down, but he's yet to hit rock bottom. He won't go home yet, not necessarily because he feels guilty, but as an Eastern person, his culture is all about honour and shame, and he knows to expect only shame there after conduct that was so deeply offensive to everybody. Shame on the father, shame from his older brother, who he'd now have to be dependent on, and shame from the community. So instead, he begs, hangs on to a foreigner who still has some food, and now he has to go and look after pigs. That's how far he's fallen. Remember, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here when he tells all these stories, why? Because they've seen him hanging around with those people that they call sinners. And as far as the religious righteous people are concerned, those like tax collectors and prostitutes might as well live in a pigsty with those who were not Jews because they are so far gone outside the love of God. So at this point, they'd be nodding their heads, rubbing their hands together with glee at this point of the story, that the young man with the grumbling stomach is finally getting a taste of what he deserves, licking his lips when he sees the pigs' food. He's not just with the pigs, he's jealous of them. But it says nobody gave him anything. He's traded everything that he had, and he had a lot for nothing. The chase for pleasure and laughs away from the father's love has led him to pain and loneliness among strangers who couldn't care less. He is lost and alone in the world. You see, he's lost not just as a destination, but as a condition because he's losing everything in two ways. First, he loses his family. He loses community by radically breaking relationships with it. And then he also loses everything else that he'd hoped to gain. He just blows it all in this country, far, far away. He loses everything. His community, because he's turned his back on home. Nobody wants to employ him. His sonship, as he walks away from the father, nobody loves him. His purpose and direction, because in the far country, he's got no idea where he's meant to go and he ends up in no man's land. Lost and alone. That's how people end up. That's how we can end up so often. Until the day he wakes up and smells the porkers, the moment of truth. He thinks about home, he realises where he is, then starts to remember whose he is. He starts to think differently and his heart and then his head and then his feet start to move slowly towards home. In church circles like ours, we sometimes talk about people being far from God and how he wants them to come home to his love. But some people are not actually that far at all. They're a lot more ready even than they might realise. In this case, geographically, the lost son was in a far country. But as soon as he started to think differently, the direction of his heart was beginning to realign. I think there are lots of people like that right now, after all the things that have gone on in the world, especially in these recent years. It may be they're not anywhere near ready to just turn up by themselves at this church building or some other one. Maybe you're one of these people watching now still checking this out, but you've started to wonder. You carry the church around in your pocket because there are people I know who are right now checking us out and looking for God on the internet all the time. People spend so much time online now. A recent survey by the Evangelical Alliance showed that's where they go looking for spiritual answers too, on Google. We want to be a hybrid church with in-person gatherings and online connections and for many people the internet is our church's new front door because of all the people who connect with us and with God through it and you're so welcome when you do that. Thousands of people every week in various formats and interactions. Now Since 2011, Google have called the moment when somebody begins to think about looking something up online, whether to buy it or find out about it, the Z-mot, the Z-mot, the zero moment of truth, they call it. This is the first thought that leads to some kind of action. When you pull out the phone, you open a browser. In the church world, it's not when somebody types in, where is Ivy Church, but when they put, is God real or... Who is Jesus? Those kind of questions are the Holy Spirit prompting somebody right there. And we want to help them find their way home to God when it happens. Because when the lost son steps from the sty out onto the street that leads to the father's house, he's got no idea what's in store for him when he gets there. A lot of people feel like that way about church too, don't they? They've got no idea what it's really like inside the church buildings. That's why something like Festival Manchester is a brilliant way to blow away all the misconceptions. The the idea that Christians just sit around looking at each other miserably, judging everybody else while doing weird religious stuff in these strange dark buildings. The lost son expects rejection and regulations, not restoration and relationship. And the best he can hope for is a servant's job, not a child's joy, but he's in for a big surprise. See, in faith, we're expecting people here in our city, from the streets and houses near you, you've been praying for, to come to the festival, listen to the music, hear the message and meet the master. Do you have a list of people you're praying for specifically to invite to come along with you? I hope so. Because here's what's going to happen. When people hear the gospel message of the love of God, I know many of them are ready. They're going to respond to it. And what then? Many will have a conversation with somebody on the team. It could be you if you'll do a little training and volunteer. What a thrilling moment to be part of when that party in heaven starts up, when somebody says yes and responds and prays and says, yes, I want to know this God. And they'll fill in their details to find out more about what it means. What then? Well, that's when we and other churches will get some of their details. And what then? Will we give the prodigals what their heavenly father has ready for them when they come home? Many years ago now, I, I responded to a message at a mission. Somebody gave a message, I, somebody else prayed for me and took my name and details and gave me a book. And I heard nothing more for ages, until because I was a long lost Catholic, a priest rang me up weeks and weeks later and gave me a telling off and said I really should went, go to confession really soon. That was the follow up I received and a major criticism that gets levelled at events like the festival is when people say well my problem is it's all very well and good but what about the follow-up here's what i now realise that's down to us the church is meant to be the solution to that problem you and me we're meant to give what the father has in store for those who are lost in the world when they come home and what's that well it starts with a celebration we want to be part of the father's celebration the father kills the fatted calf it's been calculated there's enough to feed a couple of hundred people. He gets the whole community involved, rather than have them condemn his son and cut him off, The fact is, even though the official follow-up on me was pretty rubbish, to be honest, Zoe's family and some friends from their church were welcoming and amazing and brought me in. And that's what made all the difference. That's probably one of the main reasons I'm still here walking with God. So I would love it if some of you would join me in saying, hey, if you give me, if you give us the names of those people, Festival Manchester, I will contact those people that same day or as soon as possible afterwards and I'm going to celebrate, they said, a prayer of commitment or whatever it was. I'm going to tell them how it's the best decision I ever made and I'm thrilled for them and and ask if there's anything else I can pray for now with them. And I'll do it there and then and and maybe my grow group will put on a barbecue and we'll kill a fatted calf and have them come round or, or I'll invite them to a gathering at Ivy. I'll celebrate what God has done and how they've made those first steps in coming back to him I'm gonna welcome them into our community but you know the father in the story did more than that didn't he he didn't just throw a celebration though we do want to celebrate everybody who turns to God even if you do it today we want to celebrate that with you because Jesus said all of heaven celebrates and we want in on that party but he didn't give, give the son what he deserved he gave him what he needed because he'd blown it all, lost it all, but now he was back, so he gave back what he had lost, which is symbolised by a ring, a robe, and sandals. What does that mean? Well, remember, he's had it all, he's sold it all, he's blown it all, he comes back empty-handed and broken-hearted, penniless, shoeless, and clueless, and he is given a ring. That denotes authority. You know, in ancient times, the signet ring was the seal of authority. It meant you were trusted and empowered. He's not stuck with what went wrong in the past. He's entrusted to act with the Father's blessing. Now, he can seal documents with that ring, if you like. Seal promises of God. People who come to God need to know our Father in heaven is a king and he's given us his ring. His seal is the Holy Spirit and we're entrusted with his mission and the power to get it done. We can pray with authority in his name. And see his kingdom come here on the earth as it is in heaven. So when we call people up after Manchester, we want to help them to know. We don't don't just want to give them a ring, we want to give them a ring. We've got an Alpha course on now and we're going to run more. The Discipleship Pathway course later that some of you have done. But right after the festival, it's summer. There's a long gap to the autumn where if churches leave it until then, if we left it till then to get in touch, as, as many churches might do, loads of people are going to say, oh no thanks, I'm not interested now. Because like the parable of the sower, the enemy comes and the birds quickly peck the seeds up. So when we contact and follow up, we're going to follow them up and contact them as soon as possible afterwards and offer and invite them to a really quick, short basics course here at Ivy that I've just written this week called Knowing, Growing, Going. They'll get a chance to watch a very short video, 10 minutes, anytime in the week on their phone or wherever. Then they'll have a one hour catch up meeting with a few other people or the person who invited them or in various places, here in church or even online to find out what it really means and be ready to live that new life. After just three weeks, three hours in July and August, knowing, growing, going. It's a chance to get some basics and relationships can start and develop. You could apply to lead one of the groups and help us to run one. It's not going to be hard. You don't need to have been to theological college. You just need to care about people and be happy. They've come to know the Lord and help them so they get the ring and the robe and sandals. Email info at ivychurch.org and tell us if you want to help to do that. See, we get the ring and the next thing is the robe is all about identity. The son realises he's wearing filthy rags, he's stained by his sins, he's stinking of pigs, but the father quickly gives him a robe of honour that covers his shame. In fact, the robe he's given is the father's own robe, the one he wears on special occasions. The best translations specify that he says, quickly bring my best robe. And now he is covered, covered with love, just as we're covered with the blood of Jesus Christ that washes it all away when we come back to God. Whatever was done or was lost, the father's robe shows this child is not alone, but accepted loved a son in the house no matter what anybody says when they see him in the robe they see the family crest they know who his father is and so does he I don't know whether you've come back to God yet maybe today is the day when you do and if you let us know we will celebrate with all of heaven when that happens and have you got what the father has for you he's got the ring which is authority he's got the robe which is identity and finally the sandals are all about purpose, places to go, good works prepared in advance to walk in, the Bible says, he'll need sandals to get there. He needs to know the father's got jobs for him to do, assignments to complete now because his new life just got started. In those days, slaves went shoeless, but the free wore sandals. He used his freedom before to walk away from his father. Now he's gonna use it to work with him and help others know how great it is to go from lost and alone to found and at home. Have you done that yet? Why don't you take the opportunity to say, Lord, I want back with you. I want to come back to your love today. However far you've wandered, wherever you've been and whatever you've done, you can come home to the Father now. It's just a prayer away. Take that moment when he he says that he, he just realised my Father is waiting for me at home. You can come and you're going to find a welcome from your Father as you pray now. Wherever you are, why don't you take a moment to pray for the first time and say, Lord, I want to come back home to you. Or, if you'd say, well, I'm already here and I'm home on the farm, ask him, Lord, how can I help other people who are lost and alone in this next season to find your love and to come home, to be part of this community, to be befriended, not just by you, but by me. To be brought into community, not just with you, but with me and with us here at Ivy Church. Wherever you are now, why don't you pray into that? Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church do check out the website click on a few buttons look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with and why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations join a grow group do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that christians believe or if you've got anything we can pray about be in touch press the contact button so that you can email us let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us Come and join us at Ivy Church.